Hello, and welcome to the High Street Community Church Podcast. We're so excited you're learning alongside us, and we pray this message leads you closer to the Lord and others. High Street Community Church is simply a family of friends following Jesus. God bless you as you listen. Guys, we've made it through a whole book this summer, and um, we're almost finished. This is the last sermon, so if you can hold through, you'll actually finish First John. Why don't you pat someone on the back and say, great job, way to go again through First John. I don't see much patting going on on this side of the room. Um, it is a big deal to go through a book. I mean, I don't know how how it's been for you guys, but for me, it's actually been really cool to be in a short book of the Bible, one letter that John has written to the church, and really get into the details of it, to think about what loving others really means, loving God really means, think about what God being light means. Um, there's been so much that we've gone over underneath the theme of live our best life. And we have the image up there on the screen. It's kind of a cool one today. Um, maybe start pondering what you think it's about. Um, Danny, over the last few weeks, has gone over the discerning life. Each, each uh, sermon has been uh, specifically the something life. So Danny's done the discerning life as we think about uh, how we are influenced by the things around us and even forces within us and how we understand the voice of God and live obediently. He's also talked about the love, so what it looks like to love each other and to love God. And then last week, I got to teach on the overcoming life, which I was really enjoyed, and I think I had some good reflections back from you guys about what it meant to be overcomers. And we had this picture of the trial that, uh, where God is the judge, Jesus is our advocate, the Spirit is our witness, and all of those things work in our favor so that we overcome in life. And because of that, we can obey. And obedience actually... Uh, become something that we, is life-giving for us, and we're doing from faith rather than from striving. Um, and so today, appropriately, we get to end with the eternal life. The eternal life is our topic today, and there's no notes, and that's uh, intentional because I intentionally finished my sermon late and didn't put the notes together. Um, but it, it, it's, it's a really good topic, and hopefully this will give you a chance to be able to pay attention to what I'm teaching and to what God's saying to you. Um, so what comes to your mind when you think of the eternal life? I'd just love to hear a couple thoughts. What comes to your mind when you think of the eternal life? Yes. Fullness of life. Okay, that's cool. That's good. Beginning. That's good, because like the end of life and the eternal life begins. Yeah. What else? It also begins now. Hey, you're stealing my sermon. That's good. That's great. Heaven. Yeah, you think of heaven. Time. You would say something profound. What do you mean time? Oh, that's true. Yes. And so it makes you ponder time. How long is eternal to, going to be? Forever. That's a long time. That's good. Thanks. Nick. Hanging out with Jesus. Hanging out with Jesus. That's cool. Have you guys ever thought about, John Eldridge challenged me to think about this when I was reading his book. 
what is the first thing you, or first one or two things you want to do when you get to heaven? And I think one of those is hanging out with Jesus. I fishing or getting pizza or something. Wouldn't that be great? Um, yeah, and, and I think it's true. Some of you guys, when, I think the eternal life, we kind of have mixed pictures of what it is. Sometimes we're thinking of heaven, and sometimes we're thinking of now. And it seems like the reflections went back and forth between then. For me, when I read it in Scripture, a lot of my mind jumps towards heaven. When, I, when Jesus died for our sins to give us eternal life, I'm thinking, I got, I mean, I probably don't say it in these words, but I got my way into heaven. It's to go. Like, I'm safe. You know, fire insurance is what I've heard some people say, that you're, you're safe from damnation. Um, so I want to talk about the life, and I want to explore really what John says about the eternal life here in our scripture. So the goal today is I think that John wants, us to, wants to assure us that we have eternal life through Jesus and that that life actually reorients our story inside his story. So we have eternal life through Jesus and that life reorients our story inside of his story. So in, as we've talked about with John the author, John the apostle, um, he's speaking to the the people he's writing to, his audience, as sort of like a wise old grandpa figure. We've talked about him looking like Gandalf, possibly. Even That's not actually the way he looked. But that kind, of, that kind of heart. And so I want you guys to picture Grandpa John this morning as we jump into the scripture and read through it, that he is a wise old grandpa man. And he's, he's writing to a church that he dearly loves. And we're kind of like children crawling on Grandpa's lap and saying, okay, tell me what it was like when you were young. Tell me what it was like there at the beginning with Jesus. Um, you know, you can imagine him saying things like a grandpa good, you know, grandpa would. Well, you know, things were simpler back then. You know, we had no phones and gadgets and computers. Um, and then, I mean, but John, a 2,000-year-old grandpa man. So in this, he's writing to us youngins, and he's also writing to the church. So let's take a moment. We'll pray, and then we'll imagine we crawled up on John's lap and see what he has to tell us. Jesus, we turn to you as we're jumping on Grandpa's lap, and just so excited to be here this morning, so excited to have your word in front of us, and uh, to know that your Holy Spirit's already here, present in, in the room. Um, this worship has just brought our, our hearts and our minds to focus on you, and, and while that's happening, our, our hearts are actually already being encouraged already being uplifted, already being realigned, and, and rediscovering some of that hope and uh, some of that life that you have provided for us. And I just ask that as we explore this this morning, um, through John's lens and through um, our own hearts and through what you're saying, that you'd really just highlight what living the eternal life means to you, what living the eternal life means for us. And I ask that you would just push away all distractions, you'd push away anything from the enemy, and that you just make today, even, even through myself as I speak, really clear. Um, it would be really disappointing if we came here this morning, Jesus, and you weren't speaking and you weren't showing up. So we believe you are. Would you come do that this morning and pray this in your name? So here are these words from John. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. You may know that you have eternal life have towards him that if we ask anything 
according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will give him life to those who commit sins that do not lead to death. There is sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pay for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God that's Jesus, protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. A few I were talking about this and reflecting on, I mean, there's so much in this passage that's rich and reminding and challenging in some ways. Um, but we were laughing about the end of it because it really did seem like a grandpa to tack on. And by the way, little children, guard yourselves from idols. It just seems like, well, then how, you know, or what? Uh, but Danny was joking, and I think he was, grandparent would say when you leave in their house, you know, um, you, this was a great time together. Okay, drive safe, and by the way, guard yourselves from idols, you know, just like on the way out. Um, see you later. Guard, your, guard yourself from idols. Don't worship anything wrong. You know, it's just kind of like offhandedly at the end, this really profound statement. Drive safe. And, uh, but it's true, it's true. And so I, I think that's funny. I was thinking about that multiple times going through this. Uh, there's a truth to this that our, our worship matters, but there's the, the tone of it still keeps that kind of grandpa sense about it. Um, grandpas love to tell stories. They also repeat themselves a lot. So I don't know if you noticed, but this passage, John uses the word know, K-N-O-W, know, seven times in Eight, the eight verses we read. So he uses the word no seven times in eight verses. That's a lot. And actually, he uses the word no 74 times in the 105 verses of 1 John. So uh, he uses no a lot. And I'm thinking there's an important reason. So uh, two examples of this. I mean, he talks about, I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it. So no, he'd know. That's it earlier in John. And then uh, one passage I got to teach on is talking about children of God. He goes, see what kind of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. So he loves this word, and he uses it specifically. It's a simple idea. And I'm wondering, and we can wonder together, what does John want us to know? And if you go through this, it's really clear. He wants us to know that we have eternal life. He wants us to know that God hears us. He wants us to know that we have the requests that we have asked. He wants us to know 
that those born of God don't keep practicing sin. He wants us to know that we are from God because of Jesus. He wants us to know that the Son of God has come and given us understanding. And he wants us to know him who is true and his Son, Jesus. So those are the no passages throughout this. The one that we want to focus on this morning is eternal life. He wants us to know that we have eternal life. So why was this important for John to write this to the early church? Why do you think the early church audience needed to hear that they had eternal life? Does anyone know things about the early church? Why don't you shout a couple out, things that were going on during that period that they were facing? Anyone? Persecution. Persecution. That's the first thing I thought about. False teaching. Yes, good. Anything else? Yeah, and, and martyrdom was another one, which is the type of persecution I was thinking of. They were living under oppression. They were in fear all the time. They had faced loss of property and loss of land. Um, they have been betrayed by their mem- members. Some of their members had, had abandoned their faith. Um, and I think they were probably wondering, like, is it really worth dying for this? You know, or, or my, someone close to me died. What was the point of their life or their death? Um, and I think at some point they probably wondered underneath this, like, why keep going? Why keep being a Christian? What is all this for? Like, is it meaningless? And I think John is, has undergirded this throughout his whole letter and is pointing them home at this at, the, at eternal life. Um, it's similar for us, too. Like, we, def- we don't face out-and-out blatant persecution, um, but we, ha- we have a hard time talking about our faith, right? When Lenny encourages us to talk about it, like, with everyone, there's, it's hard to, you know? It's not always easy to be like, oh, so let me talk to you about Jesus, or have you thought about how you're going to feel when you go before God's throne, or what are you doing for the afterlife? I know where I'm going. You know, it's not an easy topic to, to bring up. And, um, and we face not just persecution, we face our own hardships. Um, people fail us sometimes, right? And the systems around us don't always work so well. We see pretty clearly now injustice at certain points, um, areas that are lacking love or businesses or politics or people that are selfish. Um, we ourselves, not just the sy- systems or the people around us, but we ourselves also fail at times. We struggle with sin and comparison and control and accomplishment. And then on top of that, we face tragedy in our lives. There's divisions, betrayals, loneliness. Lenny shared a personal story this morning that was uh, a big tragedy that she's facing and, and Santa Cruz is facing. And at times, it even seems like God is slow, right? He's taking a long time to fulfill what he's promised us in you know, a very short sentence in the Bible. So at some point, just like the people that, were, that John was writing to, we also wonder, why keep going at this? We're facing a lot. Why keep doing this Christian journey over and over and over again? What's this all for? Is it meaningless? And I was thinking about that today in the eternal life, and uh, I ran across this quote that I actually really love from the Lord of the Rings movie, um, it's Samwise, 
And if you guys know anything about the Lord of the Rings movie, Sam, Sam Wise is his full name, and Frodo are in the middle, uh, actually towards the end of like the biggest battle of their lives. And they've snuck their way into the enemy's um, realm, and, which is called Mordor. And they have to go through a whole bunch of other enemies to get to Mount Doom. And these are two hobbits. They're half-size human size, so they're not really big. They're not very strong. And Frodo is carrying this ring that they have to get to Mount Doom in order to overcome and win against the bad guys. But in the meantime, the ring is causing these delusions for Frodo. And Sam is trying to encourage them to get through these ranks of enemies to climb up Mount Doom and throw this ring into the fire. So, quote from Samwise. He's trying to encourage Frodo. and facing all this stuff. And he goes, I know, it's all wrong. By rights, we shouldn't even be here. But we are. It's like in the great stories, Mr. Frodo, the ones that really mattered, full of darkness and danger they were. And sometimes you didn't want to know the end because how could the end be happy? How could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad had happened? But in the end, it's, it's only a passing thing, this shadow. Even darkness must pass. A new day will come, and when the sun shines, it will shine out the clearer. Those were the stories that stayed with you that meant something, even if you were too small to understand why. But I think, Mr. Frodo, I do understand. I know now. Folk in those stories had lots of chances of turning back. Only they didn't, because they were holding on to something. And Frodo says, what are we holding on to, Sam? And Sam says, that there's something good in this world, Mr. Frodo, and it's worth fighting for. The original... Uh, story that Tolkien wrote, not in the movie, uh, Sam ends it with saying, I wonder what sort of tale we've fallen into. And I think that's the question of the eternal life, is uh, I wonder what tale we've fallen into, or put another way, I wonder whose story we've fallen into. In the previous section of scripture that we were looking at, we didn't spend a lot of time on it last week, but it talks about how Jesus brought us eternal life. It talks about the water, the blood, the spirit. If you read it in uh, the ESV or NASB, it's kind of a confusing passage. It's talking about the water and the blood and the spirit, and these testify, and what is the water and what is the blood? And I, I read it a couple times through, and I wasn't very clear on it until I read it in a different translation, which was very helpful, and I realized that the water that they're talking about is the baptism of Jesus. The blood that they're talking about is the cross that Jesus carried for us. And the spirit that they're talking about is the spirit that came at Pentecost. So there's something that God is saying in this section, and I wanted to read briefly um, this part so we could see what this says about eternal life. So this is what John says here. This is he, Jesus, who came by the water and the blood. Not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. 
for this testimony of God that he has borne concerning his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has this testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. And this is the testimony, highlight this, that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God has life. Or whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Let me be clear about that. Um, so, this is telling the story of how Jesus brought us eternal life. And so when we think about the story that we've fallen into, we're thinking not necessarily just about our own story. We're thinking about Jesus' story. So what I wanted to clarify here is that what, what does eternal life mean then? It sounds like two things. One is that it's about the afterlife. But another is about this life that Jesus has given us that's in us now. Eternal, if you look up the Greek translation, actually means perpetual, everlasting. I picture it like, you know, a spring or like a waterfall, just like this overflowing. It's never going to end. There's so much stuff coming out of it. The ocean, you just look at the ocean. Of course, that's never going away, right? There's so much there. Um, so that's a, that's a sense of eternal. And life means absolute fullness of life. It's not just like, uh, you know, a little bit of life, a half-life. It actually means absolute fullness. Another way of saying it is real and genuine. Um, Jesus talks about us having rivers of living water flowing out of us. That's the type of life he's inviting us into. Now, do you always feel like rivers of living water are flowing out of you? No. And I think there's something about this being not our story, which means that we need to keep re-entering into that, rebathing ourselves in those rivers of life. We've fallen into Jesus' story, and that means we need to know Jesus. We need to know what he says in his word, and we need to get to know him um, now, not just uh, in heaven. There's another quote that I really appreciated. Um, Dallas Willard has this phrase, he talks about the eternal kind of life. He's a philosopher, and so he, I picture him doing this a lot when he talks. Da, 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 da. Um, but he talks about the eternal kind of life. And I wanted to read a quote that, that articulated that because I think that phrase brings together what we trust about God at the end, that he's going to be the victor, and also what we trust about God now in our present moment. So, this is what Dallas Willard says in The Divine Conspiracy. Jesus came among us to show and teach the life for which we were made. He came very gently, opened, across, opened access to the governance of God with him, and set afoot a conspiracy of freedom in truth among human beings. Having overcome death, this is Jesus, he remains among us. By relying on his word and presence, we are enabled to reintegrate the little realm that makes up our life into the infinite rule of God. And that is the eternal kind of life. Caught up in his act of rule, our deeds become an element in God's eternal history. They are what God and we do together 
making us part of his life and him part of ours. Isn't that beautiful? The eternal kind of life. I, and I just, I, I think he does a great job of how that picture, I don't know, I picture like, uh, like heaven almost like being pulled into our lives so that we're like, oh my gosh, like I had no idea. God, you being on the throne was so relevant to the way that I'm loving this person in front of me, you know, or to the way that I'm struggling with this question about my faith. The eternal kind of life is that a connection where we have a dialogue, where we wrestle through the word, we begin to work through that relationship. Um, In trauma psychology, they have uh, a phrase called a coherent narrative, and it's a way you actually heal from going through major traumas in your life. And, that, and people will do this. That, I mean, you, you go through therapy they've, that you can do this for, or you just journal out. It's like write, you write out your story, you write it out in detail, clear enough so that you see what happened. Is it clear enough so you know. And so imagine like with a coherent narrative, like God's calling us to have that, but not just on our own. He's calling that to have that with him, where our stories and his stories are coherent. They're connected. This is also similar in attachment theory. Attachment theory talks about how when you're an infant, you connect with your um, caretaker, and as you connect, you actually form a healthy self. And I think this, this connects in the sense of, they talk about uh, a caretaker in an, and a young, probably not an infant, what were you, toddler age, having a joint coherent story. And that that toddler actually has a more healthy self as they're able to say, oh, like, what did we do today, Bobby? Oh, we went to the store. We did this. Oh, I fell and skinned my knee. That was a hard part of the day, right? And you have this dialogue that's growing, and as that's growing, it's actually part of developing a healthy self. And do you, are you surprised that this is sort of, that this is what God's already planted in Scripture? That he's created a story, he's telling us the story that, that he, um, he's doing from the beginning of time, and we're invited into that through Jesus? Like Dallas said, that, his, that, that uh, the things that we do, let me say it the right way, caught up in his act of rule, our deeds become an element in God's history, and they are what God and we do together. So there's a sense of doing those things together. So the eternal kind of life starts now. I remember when I was in youth group once, I don't know if it was a sermon or during worship, that just clicked for me. And I picture myself, I probably didn't actually run around and tell everyone, but I definitely told a few people that night, eternity starts now. I had no idea. I always pictured it starting later, you know, sometime after death. But this, it was driven home to me that night that I'm actually in eternity now because of my faith in Jesus. And I'm sharing that life and that relationship. And that blew me away in high school, and I'm still out being blown away about it now. Eternal life isn't just a guarantee of heaven. It is a guarantee of heaven, and that should bring us deep thankfulness, worship, Sitting on that is worth it. Um, but more so, it's a personal relationship with the God of heaven. Like if we showed up in heaven and God wasn't there and Jesus wasn't there and the Holy Spirit wasn't there, it's, would we be disappointed? You know, God, God, it's a relationship with the God of heaven. The point is to have a relationship with him, not to just get ourselves into a realm of peace later. Um, we're, we're so, this is a quote I heard that I liked. We're so concerned with getting people into heaven, but God's concerned about getting heaven into people. And I like, I like that, and I also like thinking that God's concerned about getting heaven into you and me 
And that's actually meant to like rewire the way that we're thinking, just like trauma theory or just like attachment theory is meant to develop a healthy self inside of a child. As we interact with God, this eternal life, as we interact with him through prayer and through the word and through, even through people, this eternal life actually spills over into our present life. So it's like eternity becomes present, kind of like that question of like time. So when did eternity start? It's going on now. So then as I'm having a relationship with God, the eternal life is spilling over. Like there's more than enough of God. There's more than enough of the time that he has for me right now. Um, and I think this is, John highlights this in his uh, verse here where he says, and this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know we have the requests that we ask of him. Now, I think this is a promise. I think this is a great prayer strategy. Use it as that. But I think, he, I think as I was reflecting on it this week, it's also just a natural outflow of the eternal life. Like, if God said, I want to have a relationship with you, and you don't talk to him about what's going on in your life, you don't talk to him about what's going on in the world, you don't talk to him about what he said and whether that makes sense or how the Bible ties into this thing in your world, then you're missing out on the eternal life. Right? You're missing out on the presence of God the eternal God right now. And so as you have that interactive relationship, it actually spills over onto other people. It, one of our professors talked about, uh, and this was in, in a negative sense, that we leak on people. Like all of our bad stuff that we carry with us that we haven't processed. You know, at some point or another, uh, you know, especially in marriage is a great example, in families, like our bad stuff leaks onto each other. And you're like, oh, that, that, that's obviously coming out of this place that's still kind of unfinished and, and unwound. Um, but I think as we in, envelop and enjoy and dialogue with God in the eternal life, that that actually spills over onto people too. So that as we enjoy him, as we talk with him, as we nourish that relationship, like what if that spilled over onto other people around you? Can you think of someone in your life who that is already overflowing onto you, where you're getting some of that eternal life right now from them? So my encouragement is to use to develop a conversational relationship with God. I believe that's where the eternal life, where the eternity intersects with our, our present reality. And as we approach God with our needs and desires, this is actually like the sharpening point of our faith. That's actually where we're formed. In James, uh, James chapter 1, he talks about our, our faith being tested and how we consider that joy. And I don't know, someone highlighted it in the last year or two to me. I always thought testing was about your character. Like whether you failed or succeeded was based on your merits. But it's actually about your faith. And, that, and it's your faith. Who's your faith in? It's not in you. It's in somebody else. So it's actually those, it's joy because you're learning to turn your attention to Jesus. You're learning to turn to him and seeing him maybe connect to that situation in a way that you've never seen him connect before. So we learn to trust, we learn to surrender our process, and we begin to see how Jesus provides. So all in, in that space where, they, where we're living that, that kind of eternal life, in that space, that's where God and our story, is, our story is reinterpreted with God, is what I want to say. So our, our own story begins to be 
woven, attached, connected. Um, and we begin to enjoy, uh, in a way, eternity now. Um, so one way that we can do this, and we do this often in church a couple times a month, is we do it through communion. Communion is a symbol as we remember, right? And we're not just remembering the past. We're also remembering and bringing this into the present of what God did on the cross through Jesus and what Jesus is ultimately going to redeem in our lives later. So I want to take a minute and pray together. And then I'll invite Frank up here and he's going to lead us through communion. And we'll continue in that place of experiencing and enjoying the eternal kind of life. Jesus, we turn our hearts to you. Thank you for this time together. I thank you for your word. It blows my mind to think that eternity starts now. And I feel so honored, and I believe we feel so honored to be invited into a story that's beyond our own. When Samwise asked what kind of story we've landed in, I love that the answers that we've landed in yours. We've needed that. We've needed to be in your story. We have been so, so hurt and, and burdened by a world that is distant and, and resistant uh, to your story. And we've, we grew up that way. We've walked away from you ourselves. We've turned away from your story. We know our, our ancestors did in Adam and Eve. And so we just thank you that through Jesus there's a way to come back into that and that eternal life that rivers of living water that you offer Jesus is something that we get free access to by faith. So we just want to respond during this time of communion and to you now in prayer and in thankfulness and also in receptivity to all that you've taught us in 1 John and all that you've been teaching us this morning and also just bringing to you a hunger and a thirst to know you more in those places where we need it and to deepen that dialogue, that conversation where our story is reinterpreted by Jesus' story. Jesus, would you come be with us as we continue to celebrate together what you've done. In your name we pray. Thank you for listening to the High Street Community Church weekly message. We hope you were encouraged to follow Jesus For more, please subscribe to our podcast or visit us online at hscchurch.org.